So I have this like physiological like burning inside me when I'm holding my tongue and it's like it just like bubbles up and it bubbles up and I'm like I'll hold it I'll hold it like for as long as I can and then I'm just like no I have to say it I just have to say it and a lot of the time especially in arguments although it's like unnerving being confrontational does sort things out much quicker. Quite late on in this conversation, I'm talking about being bullied in Cardiff and I refer to the fact that there were Cardiff-specific slang terms that were used about me. And then, I can't remember any of those words. Having reflected on this statement, I'm not sure if I fully can stand behind it. Most of the words I can think of, like Minga or Mosha, I don't think are just specific to Cardiff. I think they'll be more familiar in other parts of the UK, but not necessarily all over the UK. The one that I can definitely think of that's, I think, Cardiff-specific is Dupper. But generally speaking, I think I was over-egging that idea, really, because it was an interesting one to me rather than it was actually accurate about my life, which I find happens a lot when you're telling true stories, when you reflect back on them and you think about the words that you used. It's slightly surreal because, like... I'm in the I'm on the guest side of the studio, right? And you're on the the host side of the studio. But in theory, I'm the host of this show, so uh, I better better cope with that cognitive dissonance and uh, and move straight along. So, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Are you yeah, feeling a bit? I definitely feel like I'm being interviewed, <laughs> uh, which is Weird, interesting. Isn't it? it is interesting, and sometimes getting better acquainted can go that way. But I'm I'm wary of that because. Audio people, that's often the danger that you'll get more out of me than I'll manage to get out of you. We're both interviewers and we're both storytellers and I think we're also open books, so this could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it'll be like a too much information competition. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Elle. Hello, Elle. Hi. Hey, Dave. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Normally we're on, on stage. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Normally I'm on stage and you're at the, on, the, on the sound desk. Yeah. Right. That's how we mostly... So, yeah, I guess I should ask that question first before I answer it. Uh, so the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? I know you uh, through Spark storytelling. Uh, what like it's an open mic night storytelling? Yeah, I mean the the night that I host and that you're doing the the sound for in Hackney is an open mic true storytelling night. Spark used to also do kind of curated nights as well, and we I'm sure we will do again. But at the moment, we're just doing our two open mics on the second Monday of the month and the third Monday of the month. But yeah, like we have done curated nights before, so uh, it, and it will happen again. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes in Hackney we have special nights or whatever, and then they are curated. I don't know if you were there for our kind of, we we did a kind of heat for the Tell It storytelling festival, and that that one we invited people to tell stories. I wasn't there for that one, but I was there for the one that you did in the Guardian building, and that's how I came to know about Spark to ah, begin with. Ah, so that was a curated night. Yeah. So that was at the uh, at the po- uh, podcast festival, right? Yeah. That was run uh, last year. Yeah. That was for our kind. We yeah, podcasters. Right. Yeah. It was for our kind. It was specifically <laughs> yeah. for... Oh, yeah. Everybody's telling a story that night were podcasters. Um, 
Most of us didn't. Well, I actually did talk about podcasting, but but most people didn't. They, no, they, they, they avoided didn't. that, which is good. I mean, it's quite boring in some ways listening to people uh, talk about podcasts. I mean, that was why I set myself the challenge to try and find an interesting way to tell a story about being a podcaster. And I think I just I just about managed it. I mean, I say that kind of semi modestly. I'm quite proud of that. No, story, I, I, I think you nailed it. <laughs> like having also not knowing anyone and then getting like an insight into Spark on a slick podcast special event right. was good. Our open mic nights are really good and they're authentic and it's just people like from the street, general members of public. But to be introduced to Spark with podcasters actually telling their stories was like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, I guess that must have been interesting from an audience perspective. Like, yeah, I mean, and, and I think those episodes are great. So obviously, I'll like I normally do, I'll link to all of the stuff we're talking about in the show notes. But based on that, experience of meeting us uh you said hey waved your hand and said uh, i'd like to work with you is that what yeah. happened well it was really funny i was with three of my friends and i just finished here um radio wolfgang um for a bit and i was like oh you know when you get that sinking feeling being a freelancer you must yeah. get this way you just know <laughs> you have to network and i think we all hate yeah. it really like deep down no one really likes networking unless you're a bit of a sociopath and i was like oh god and i looked at my friends and like oh we want to leave and i was like just give me five minutes and i'm going to talk to as many people as i can go time me so i just went and i spoke to charlie and i wanted to speak to you but you actually had a cue yeah <laughs> you, I, I, you, <laughs> that's right when people. the first time you did tech for me at hackney that was that came up right it was yeah. like uh, i spoke to all of the other podcasters in the room apart from you i don't think i had a i'm sure other people had a cue is what i'd definitely like to say um, I, I think maybe they did but maybe i was at the front of each queue. yeah 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 maybe it was good timing but yeah and I, I remember and then within 10 minutes i'd spoken to five people and then the next week I'd, I was basically on the team. Right. And actually, now I think about it, another excuse for me having a queue is I was the last storyteller of the night as well. So I was the one who was probably most fresh in people's minds that they had immediate questions to ask about. Look at you being modest. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I always feel complicated about these things. Like, uh, just, just one of the things I like about podcasting is that there potentially isn't hierarchies but of course there is because we're human beings and everybody starts thinking of different people as being better or worse than others and I kind of resist hierarchies both directions so I don't like being put at the top but I also don't like being put at the bottom uh, like you know we're all equal in my in my view yeah that age old human condition right and I should say like you say we're recording in your studio uh, like in Wolfgang's studio right in, in kind of hackney way and uh, hipster AF this, well, that's true, but I mean, walking up up the street today, I'm not sure that the people I saw at the end of the street were, were, were could be called hipsters. There's a there's a mix of different kinds of people around here, and and yeah, I mean, uh, hipsters are either have been really letting themselves go if if they're. The I people just don't I saw think hipsters was... are around uh, office warehouse spaces on the weekend. Right, exactly. We are recording on a Sunday. Exactly. I think they're, that they're all maybe like fucked from the night before in warehouses in Manor House, like sleeping in studio apartments. <laughs> That's right. But I mean, I think the thing is, like, I guess what, I, what I'm getting at is that whilst Hackney is no doubt becoming gentrified in many ways, uh, it's not quite been completely cleansed of, of its of its diversity yet. Uh, it's, it's, there's still time. There's still time. Yeah, but it's sad. It's You see the cleansing every day. So <laughs> I, I worked here last summer and in that time, and I've, cut, I've been back now for a month. So that was what, like four months not being here. And in that time, two two trendy 
like new housings have just been erected, kind of skyscraper style. Now, how did that happen? It's four months. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's that's a that's yeah, that's above my pay grade. I have not got the answer <laughs> for that one. I mean, I wish it wasn't happening. It's one of those things where, though I could, of course, start listing hundreds and hundreds of reasons why it's happened. It's one of those things where you either don't answer the question or the the answer takes forever and everyone kind of adds a new element to it. Like, it's a very nuanced re- thing why gentrification's happening. Yeah, and everyone kind of knows without having to state it anyway. Right, right, it's right. It's just a sad Yeah, fact. certainly, yeah. People can read Guardian articles about that. We, 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 we've got other more interesting things for us to talk about. Not, not that we're necessarily more interesting than the total disintegration of, you know, uh, civilization <laughs> and capitalism. <laughs> One of the things about recording in this, in this room is we're talking, so sound, uh, sound quality fans, uh, I know there's some of you out there uh, you'll be very pleased with this episode, potentially, because we're speaking using the equipment in the studio, or you'll be really unhappy because we'll have had to use the uh, backup mic, that's my Zoom, uh, which will be worse than normal because I'm not monitoring it. Yeah, I was just about to say, don't speak too soon. <laughs> I, I, I've set this up and it's... I, I would never... Well, actually, we've had some moments, haven't we, in Spark? Yeah, but I don't blame <laughs> those moments on you. Like, th- th- So you're referring to the last time we were... At- yeah. The, the last time we were at Hackney, uh, the microphone did not record uh, from the desk, which may be the desk's fault. It may be the microphone's fault. I think it's the microphone's fault because I found that that was the case the next time I tried to use it. Um, but 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 whatever, it was the technology's fault and not Elle's fault, even though she is blaming herself. I like that. Yeah. And and the, the but the other thing interesting thing about recording in here is it's it's like interviewing a superhero. because we've got these big pop guards in front of the microphones that we're speaking on so I can kind of only see your eyes so I I get to do eye contact which I think is important but I don't get to know like what what shape your mouth is so like then I didn't know if you were laughing you know can you tell if I'm smiling or not no I can't oh ominous you could be like sticking your tongue out at me the whole time and I wouldn't know uh, <laughs> the, the second question that I ask everybody uh, is, what do you do now? Oh, so um, now you you pretty much know. I am an <laughs> assistant producer at Radio Wolfgang, the premises from which we are recording. And it basically means that I work on uh, a variety of podcasts. We specialise in docs, but we also do studio stuff as well. Um, currently, I'm working on a design programme called It's Nice That Podcast in collaboration with the It's Nice That Guys, their design platform. And that's good. We're doing like topics on uh, like design topics I'd never really even given too much thought to. So we, we've done an episode on colour, an episode on the design behind currency. I bet you haven't thought about that. It's actually interesting. Yeah. And our upcoming one is on music videos, which is good. It's got me um, messaging a lot of really famous directors. Not that they've applied, but uh, I'm, I'm still messaging them. It's really interesting when you have to like do work that's kind of outside of your knowledge area. Like I, I find that when I do a podcast called The Restart Project, um, and that's similar. Like I didn't know anything about like all of the technology elements and the sustainability and all of this stuff that I've learned on that. And I've learned like over the last two years so much stuff uh, that I guess now I know about it. And now it's a, now it is an interest of mine rather than a, an ignorance of mine. <laughs> well, working in media, I've I found that because I used to work in TV. I did a program on dog rescue. I've never had a dog and now I know all about dog physiology, what's good for dogs, what's bad for dogs, like rehoming a dog. 
And I also worked on a programme about demolition. So I know all about different types of demolition, like top-down demolitions as opposed to, like, no one uses a wrecking ball anymore, just so you know. Apart, apart from Miley Cyrus. Yeah, apart from Miley Cyrus. <laughs> but apparently it's, like, it's, it had all of the demolition guys, that video, like, up in arms. Cause like, Nobody's used a wrecking ball since the 80s. It's actually... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. It's good you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a tune. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and now, and now I'm doing design and I've, I've done like science and like AI. So it's quite it's quite a nice job, um, yeah. to, at least to learn about things. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, design is really interesting. Like some of the stuff that comes up on Restart is design-based. Like uh, I, I spoke to this uh, like lecturer about sustainable design and like uh, how you make stuff that people want to keep, you know? And like one of the, the standout things from that was like this, there was like this uh, teacup that one of his students had designed, which is designed that as the older, the longer you have it, the more the pattern of forms because the pattern kind of forms from the tea, the ste- the staining of the tea. So there's a kind of invisible pattern inside the teacup that appears as you, as the longer you have it. So it kind of, you want it to get a stain rather than you hate the stain and want to kind of bleach it and get a new cup. That's really yeah. cool. I wonder if you could do that on teeth because I'm worried because I drink my tea without milk. But right. maybe if I etch some like cool engravings into my teeth and then drunk lots of tea, it would really yes. help that situation. I should do that too. I have very bad, very British teeth, like yeah. English teeth or whatever the stereotype is. Like they're wonky, they're stained. The, 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 every time I sort of see the dentist, he goes like, you know, uh, you know, do you know your your teeth are stained? And I'm like, yeah, I know my teeth are stained. Like, how how much do we need to like? It's like obviously I know that I've got to, I can see I see it in a mirror. Yeah, well, dentists love a good old fear mongering, don't they? And they're like, oh, you you really need a hygienist appointment? It's like, yes, I do, but I don't want to pay sixty quid. Right. So you know what? I'm just going to have to live with these stains. Yeah, and like maybe etch some cool engravings into my teeth. Well, I feel like maybe you know over time everyone will just get comfortable with the fact that we all have different kinds of coloured teeth and like all of that sort of stuff the same way we should with you know bodies and and all of those things that we kind of judge each other for well i have a bit of a fetish for um dead teeth i really like it when people have dead teeth because normally there's a story behind a dead tooth like your your teeth your teeth don't just die normally it's oh yeah i got fucked up Am I You're allowed to swear, to swear yeah. Uh, I got fucked up in a skateboard accident. And they were like, ooh, skateboard. <laughs> or like, yeah, I just had like a really bad fall down the stairs. And you're like, oh, how did he fall down the stairs? Right. So, yeah, I, there's stories behind dead teeth. It depends on the story, like though, right? Because like, like, well, actually, I guess that was a good story for my sister. My sister has had, used to have, luckily it was a baby tooth. She had a dead front tooth kind of like right at the front like a black tooth and it was because uh i dropped her on her head uh so every time it kind of came up i had to like go like yes i dropped her on her head and like like but i didn't like to make it clear what happened was we were at the chip shop she was like three or four my mum like was buying the chips my sister ran out the, the door and ran towards the road and my mum like screamed and was like, get your sister, get your sister. I ran after my sister, like desperately thinking she was going for the, the road. She says she was going for, the, for a tree that was in front of the road. She very well, well might have been, but I assumed she was going for the road, particularly because that's what my mum had said. And also, as you should, always assume yeah, the always worst. Yeah, always assume the worst. So I, uh, yeah, I, I picked her up and like tried to carry her back towards the, towards the chip shop. Uh, she kicked me so hard in the testicles uh, that I dropped her, but also she spun all the way round. Like I was holding her right way up and she landed on her head. 
head. That's how, how hard she kicked me. Like she did a full roundhouse kick. Uh, impressive. Cartwheel roundhouse kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was impressive work. Um, but uh, but yeah, like so, uh, like her tooth story always makes like always made me out to be a villain. But I always felt like it's kind of unfortunate because I could have been considered a hero if that story had gone right, you know. But it didn't. So. Well, see, that's my hypothesis proven. There's always a good story behind a dead tooth. I mean, you can just stop the interview there. I feel like right. I'm done. We've Mike proved job. we've proved that you yeah you, we've proved that you 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 uh, know how to find a, a good story in a in a def- in a defect on someone's face. Yeah, if that's if there's anything I can do, it's that. But I think that's right. I mean, I think that would be an interesting idea for a radio show. That would be an interesting idea for a podcast. Uh, people's relationship to their teeth and the stories behind that, and like how much because you know how how many of us like don't like to smile. I, I don't like pictures of mis- myself with a smile because of my wonky teeth. But it means no one ever gets to see me happy. <laughs> yeah, but what, so I had. Did you know me with braces? Um, yes, actually, that's interesting to say. Yeah, I did, and now you haven't got them anymore. Yeah, right. so uh, yeah, you were so in a transitionary yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. I had them on for two years, and before that, I had a really, really one really buck tooth that I called Captain Bucky O'Hare. And it was just <laughs> like this one, like almost horizontal, all my other teeth straight, and this guy just stuck out. Right, and then um, so I just never ever learned how to smile with my mouth open, and now. Now I can't. Like I phys- if you know friends, do you watch friends? Yeah, I've seen like, friends. you know when Chandler can't smile, it's exactly that for me. I can't like, when the second a camera goes on me, if I want to smile with my mouth open, it looks contorted and weird and you're like who hurt that girl? Cuz it looks strange. It's, so I, I mean it's such a shame that this this happens to us. I'm, I, like, you know, I've seen you smile uh, and it's looked fine. It's been an absolutely nice smile. But also, it, like, when you had braces, like, people are, like, really ashamed to, like, show braces. I don't think they're una- unappealing as, as things on, in people's faces. Like, it's just yeah, like... Yeah, mine like... got quite yellow. Were you there? You were there for the tail end of my braces. I was, journey. I was, yeah, yeah, and yeah. They were, I, I, I wasn't really fully inspecting your teeth, to be fair. Yeah, well, because I had my mouth closed the whole time because I think I overheard my mum say to my sister when she was in a in a different room to me like did I purposefully get yellow braces and I heard oh, it and I thought oh god they're coming off soon I'm oh just those insults when no one knows they're making them are the worst <laughs> aren't they when someone's like not, not then you can't even blame them it's just like oh god okay something must be happening here. I've had it really badly in uh, TV when you're in a different room to someone else and they have their mic on and they've forgotten that they have their mic on <gasps> right and I've heard like lots of gossip I've had lots of insults about everyone on the production team oh God, and yeah. vice versa it's happened so I think uh, yeah one time I had someone go oh she's really nervous in relation to me and obviously the worst thing to say is someone's so nervous. nervous and especially if you're hearing it being said behind your back yeah. and then just after that the whole shoot went like totally downhill um, yeah yeah I mean, it's yeah, I've had moments when I've sort of like done shows where I've been sort of sat outside having a cigarette and overheard the audiences give their opinions about the show and they didn't know I'm there. So I have some understanding of how Good uh, that bad. could be both. But I mean, still like and, and, and as it will have been for you, right, you might overhear people saying nice things about you. You wouldn't necessarily always want to know the nice things because, you know, some of those things might be like, you know, I fancy L or whatever. And then it'd be like, 
well, I like knowing that, but it's nice, awkward. Yeah, exactly. It's I, I don't <laughs> like any fodder to make me think any more than I do because I'm already overthinking <laughs> enough things. Right. So the less I know, I'm like a huge proponent of ignorance is bliss, especially when it comes to people's opinions of you. Uh, right. Because if if they're nasty, then you don't want to know it because I, I don't particularly want to change myself for anyone. Right. Um, apart from myself, but it's, it's also quite hard to change like 26 years of conditioning. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I agree. I've been working on changing, I, oh, what am I now, 35 years of conditioning for the last five years. Like, so I guess, t- so 30 years of conditioning I've been trying to work on for the last five years, and it's not easy. It's not, and but that's <laughs> the thing, that's what I find about criticism. It's like, okay, you can tell me that. Say you have a problem with my personality, say it's in the workplace, and I've got a vested interest to change that it's still really really hard yeah. like you can't say someone goes I've, I've been told maybe sometimes that I don't have a filter and I don't think I don't have a filter I just think I don't choose to use my filter it's right. a very nuanced filter that is like sure. a, above the strata of everybody else's yeah. and but if okay fine if if my having a filter or using my filter means that I get more jobs then I'm probably going to have to change that but it's quite hard to change that I hope not though I hope that that like that isn't the case because I mean obviously I don't have a filter so I, I also want to get jobs but like I, I think that that that, that Often people phrase these things like that's a complete flaw, whereas actually it's absolutely possible to consider that the lack of the the, the fact that everybody has a filter in a certain kind of way is a problem in itself. Like so much doesn't get solved because people don't talk to each other about things like uh, like and it it depends what you mean. Like there's filters and there's filters in there. There's the there's like you say, you will have a filter. You won't be walking around saying, I think you're ugly. I think you're (laughs) no, that's not what you mean. You mean like that you say more than you should. Right. Yeah. Like and I'm like that. And like sometimes I can offend people, but generally I'm not like trying to. I'm not being mean to people and people who have no filter in a mean way. That's not what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Just to make that clear. But I think that filters themselves are not always valuable but i i have so i have this like physiological like burning inside me when i'm holding my tongue and it's yeah. like it just like bubbles up and it bubbles up and i'm like i'll hold it i'll hold it like for as long as i can and then i'm just like no i have to say it i just have to say it and a lot of the time especially in arguments <laughs> although it's like unnerving being confrontational does sort things out much quicker if you have two people who are i I did a good podcast actually on. Um, I spoke to the uh, data scientist at eHarmony, and he was talking about um, how because eHarmony has like a very algorithmic way of matching people because it's based on um, finding matches for marriage, like long term, right. not like Tinder, which is right. just finding a sex match. And he was saying that um, the the way they do it, they don't let um, people who aren't, in, as far as they're concerned, compatible. Uh, actually see each other on the website so you they they would never actually come up on like the search bar or whatever it is um and that's because like they wouldn't work on a long-term sense and he was saying that the main thing um that they judge this on this compatibility is um confrontation management or um how how you resolve conflicts and they would never ever put a similar this is like very basic, but they never put a similar with someone who's very confrontational because that just wouldn't work. Right. So conflict resolution is like the key thing in um, managing a relationship. So like it, it even say me and you friends, we'd probably work because we're both, we like 
confrontation and getting it out there. But if you were a simmerer, then we might get into some problems. Right. I found that really interesting to know. Yeah, I mean, it's all of that stuff. Is it like this? I mean, there's so much complexity around these things, and any rule, like, will have exceptions within it. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Well, he he was saying obviously this is like in a very general sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I just found and also it quite it's, it's a long term, like you say. It, it's it's looking for long term. There's there's plenty of of uh, valuable relationships that are short term. Yeah, like you know, like and so that's that's a another complexity to that. But for certainly to 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 get on with someone long term, you have to have an ability not to be shouting at each other all the time. Yeah. However, whatever that means, and like there's plenty of friendships I've got that are very tempestuous, as well as relationships. You know, what I mean, I think re- friendships too uh, probably require people to have complementary. Yeah, it's uh, complementary conflict resolutions. Yeah. So it could be that, say, if one of you is a simmer and the other one is confrontational, that could work in a sense because it's like if someone's simmering, then the confrontational person will be like, hey, what's going on? And then it gets resolved yeah. or vice versa. But really, like, it's it, you need that balance. Interesting. So what made you interested in radio and I guess TV as well? Because you've mentioned that you've worked in TV. But I mean, maybe your only your one love is radio. I don't know. Um. Well... You're kind of correct there. Um, <laughs> I I went to university in Leeds and studied philosophy. And um, whilst I was there doing a very like, intense degree with like lots of tutorials where one question is asked and then like a thousand questions are like are sprung from that and then no one's got the answers at the end. It's quite frustrating. Um, I on the side of that I did radio. Um, and I had a few of my own shows, always, always had my own show because I just loved doing it. Um, I think I had like loads of different types. I had a 90s music show. Then I had a Hypothetically Speaking, which was my favourite. It was like a surrealist talk show where you just asked like lots of hypothetical questions. I was like, I got kicked out of it because I had a, a feature lecturer interviews where I'd just go and talk to lecturers and they just thought that I would be asking like kind of the bog standard question like what do you do what do you but actually I was asking them like if uh they had um would they consider it a disability if they had cream for hair and they just had to sit there <laughs> and just like kind of chat and like right. some of them would be really up for it and others would like I got kicked out of an office one time and I was interviewing a lecturer and I asked if he had any tattoos and he said he had one on like the lower small of his back I was like, oh, I see you've got a tramp stamp. And he was like, yeah, and I was like, oh, Ed, I, I should have really clocked there that he was kind of like tottering on the edge of like throwing me out. And then when obviously when I asked to see it, it was out, get out. But like, obviously that made for great, great interview. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it probably, he was in quite an, you know, he was in quite an awkward position. I know, if he I just know. showed you his tattoo, then, you know, on mic, he, he certainly might have, you know, lost his job. I know, in hindsight, it's, it's good. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, I mean, that's the age that the, it's, you know where you make all your mistakes and it's useful it's useful oh, to not make that those that mistakes. was a mistake yeah, i yeah, would yeah, always yeah. if in the same situation ask a lecturer to see his tramp stamp right just just so you know sure 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 but like you try out you try you push the boundaries and see what you can do yeah uh and that's like the time like i i did 
radio at uni but i i'm i certainly am very pleased that that is not available on the internet that that stuff is consigned to history useful history but history nevertheless well what did you do oh i did like radio comedy and i did like radio dramas and there there are choices i made that i i don't support now like that's put very diplomatic yeah i mean i've i've covered it elsewhere like to a certain extent so right so you you did Radio at uni, right? Yeah, I did radio at uni. And then when I left uni, I wanted to either go into radio or uh, TV. I actually wanted to go into children's TV um, quite desperately. I'm a bit of like a nostalgic weirdo. Yeah, you can't um, you can't ask uh, people about tramp stamps in children's TV, though. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. And I, <laughs> I, I think I, I wanted... I'm not, sure I did, I'm not sure I wanted to present, but I was kind of very much aware of um, my potty mouth and that I swear every chance I get. So maybe I I worked actually at Nickelodeon for a bit and then after that kind of realised I wanted to be doing other things. So, um, but it it was those, so I had like a fork. I could go down radio, I could go down TV and TV just gave me more jobs and I started, I was a runner on like Take Me Out and Britain's Got Talent and all of those like very big entertainment shows and then just like went down from there into uh, like uh, factual observation documentary style, factent is what they call it, factual entertainment Um, and then but was all the while really missing radio um, being on air, but also just off air, like because radios, you you have far more control. Like as you know, you can pick up a record, a, a recorder, you do an interview, come back, edit it, post it, and it's it's that easy. And you've got content. Whereas with TV, everyone's like you've got one thing that you do, and it, you have to rely on like twenty other people in order to make a show. Right. But this one, you get far more autonomy. And I just loved radio so I um I think like two years into tv I um applied to get a show at Roundhouse Radio which is like young persons they have like studios there and um yeah I recorded a GBA in one of those studios oh did you but only only on the zoom recorder uh (laughs) who with with someone Uh, with Jack Jack Rook uh who's like a comedian like spoken word guy who happens to uh, be on the Roundhouse program, so he had like. Oh, access. nice! That so possibly before my time. I should imagine, possibly. I don't know how long ago was that. Um, I got too old, so they they kick you out. Right, because like, after twenty five, it's like eleven to twenty five. Right. So yeah, they kick you out. Um, I got too old uh, this year. Very sad, but yeah. at least I'm I'm here now in radio, not in TV. Not that I I regret TV, just in case anyone. Well, it's experience and it's it's transferable experience too. Oh, totally, totally, and uh, you get it a lot. You get people jumping from TV to radio and back. Yeah. Hey, if someone offers me a TV show, I will take a TV show. I I, I, I think you know that the the both both mediums are different, but they're also there's a lot of crossovers and people with skills in one can. Yeah, well, it's coming up with content and like broadcasting it in whatever capacity. Yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing about audio is people don't have to look at your face, but I stand on stages anyway, so I might yeah. as well get on screen. Y- your face is fine. <laughs> <laughs> we- we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Um, but th- yeah, so the, I guess, like, so that's the interesting thing is that what I know about you, 
like before I came here today. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, like I knew that you worked in the radio. I knew we'd talk a bit about radio. But most of what I know about you is about your school life because I've heard you tell stories about your school life. Uh, like, like every time you've told a story, and I think I've only seen you maybe tell two stories, but they've both been about school. Yeah, yeah, they have. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um, I kind of miss school because, like, in school, people gave a shit. You could act out and people cared. And I think <laughs> now if you act out, you get thrown into prison and that's, like, right. it's the, kind of the end. The stakes are kind of both higher and lower yeah and yeah and no one gives a shit now yeah. like there's there's no pastoral care in life right, 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 <laughs> there right, is right. at school no one goes oh this is a, they, they just want some love yeah she does need a bit of counseling <laughs> help her out but yeah i was i was a very uh naughty naughty uh teenager i think i mean it's quite easy to be a naughty teenager in an all-girls private school in the center of london which is where i found myself um, <laughs> you found yourself there yeah i found i got um uh a scholarship because i'm very clever um and then went there and i i came from a mixed school um with my twin sister so primary school and then I went to Queen's and she went to a, a different school. But Are actually, you non-identical or identical? Uh, non-identical, fraternal, the most boring type of twin. Not, but no, not... It's not, really boring. Not, not boring. When asked, you have to say, oh, you're asked, are you identical? No. Oh, is it an opposite sex? No. Like, really, with sisters born at the same time, it's not that, like, <laughs> wonderful. But I love her, obviously. Everything's interesting <laughs> to me. I, I, I like, you know, let's not have hierarchies of twins either. Yeah. Well, I, I just have to live it. And it's like, are you psychic? No, no. <laughs> it's just boring. I hate being, yeah, the most boring type of twin. It's still interesting, though. It's still like your sister's exactly the same age. So that, like, like I'm six years older than my little sister. Like, age gaps make a difference whereas i think if you've got if you're close in age there's like you're, you're living the same experience but if you're the same age like that's i think that's there's a lot of complexities that froze up i imagine yeah it is also because we're quite different we're like i love her so so much she's like the closest person to me but we are very very different and this what i think aesthetically we're quite different i'm taller she's shorter like I think you can tell we're sisters, but you'd never say that we were twins, right? Um, and also, I think we're actually getting more more similar as we grow up. But when we were teenagers, we had totally separate friends because we went to different, different schools. schools right. But um, and our social lives never ever interacted. And then going to uni, she went to uni and she loved Oceana. She, her claim to I think Brighton um, fame was that she never missed a Wednesday, Oceana. And if you know me even at all, I think even by looking at me, you could tell I'm probably not Oceana like that much. She didn't mean to Oceana once actually for her birthday. So it's it's to that point where I go, it's her birthday and then she'll come to my birthday. Right. We don't have like shared birthdays like... Right, we'll we'll do something with our family, but she'll have a birthday night and I'll have a birthday night. So I went to her birthday night, which right. obviously is like on the same day as my birthday. Right. And um, <laughs> uh, we went to Oceana, this is about six years ago. And she went off, I think, and she left me with her friends because I was smoking with her friends. And then her friends left me. And then all of a sudden, I was kind of this like hipster indie chick 
lost in the center of Oceania, like completely homesick, like actually like, what's happened? Where is everyone? And I was just wandering aimlessly and it's huge and it all stinks of cheese because of sweat and crust and the carpet. Why they have a carpet in a club? (laughs) Why? And then I I had to go up eventually. I like plucked up enough courage to go up to the DJ who's in the center box in like this huge, huge like ballroom. Um, and say, hey, could you just do a shout out to my twin? Can you tell her, like, in between what, like, apple bottom jeans and, like, some <laughs> Missy Elliot? He was like, um, BB, BB, your sister, she's looking for you. Come find her at the DJ booth. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so, for people who also aren't Oceana types, it's kind of like a, a dance a dance club, hip hop club? Like, oh, it's like, um, uh, don't offend, like kind of very trashy. How do I describe this without offending? Yeah, I mean, I'm just right. going to offend. Trashy, tacky, lots of WKDs, man of ices, yeah. like stinks of cheese. Um, like it, it plays like R and B bangers to give it its due. But um, when you're lost alone, for, yeah, I think it was a good two sure. hours. And it's in it's it, or it was. I think it got closed down now. But it was in Kingston, and that's very far from where I lived at the time. So that I, I don't even know how to get home from this fucking place. <laughs> and my twin sister's left me. She knows fully well. Right. I fucking hate Oceana. Yeah. Where is she? DJ, help me. Yeah, right. and it's my birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. So you went to a girls' school. Yeah. Uh, a, a posh girls' school, yeah. people might have said. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Uh, it was really good. So I, I kind of, I went there uh, from the second and year seven. Like I, I was just so used to just like saying, um, oh, so we had a gym class one time. This was in the first week or second week. And we were asked to, um, I, I kind of knew the game. I'm, I've never, ever, ever got on with a games teacher, a PE teacher in the whole of my life because I'm not good at PE. And I'm, I've am i got appalling sportsmanship as well. I, like, very competitive, but not very good <laughs> or able. So it just makes me a very the bad PE yeah. Yeah. student. And she was, um, I, I, I kind of, I dissected the the um format of the class which was she'd uh she'd tell you to do something so like a roly-poly and then she'd get everyone to do a roly-poly like in like a practical bit and then she'd stop the class and then she'd get people to perform their roly-polies and I realized that she'd get one person who did it who was doing it badly and another person who was doing it well to show it to the rest of the class and she'd always get the person who was doing it badly first up and like so it, it got to this point and she asked to see a, a cartwheel and she asked me to show mine first and I was just like no, fuck off miss and she's like what <laughs> what did you say and I said I said fuck off miss and she was like, right out. And then like, in my head, it was kind of like I was being a bit playful because it was like, no, I know exactly what you're trying. You're trying to get me to show a shit cartwheel in front of my friends. Stop undermining me in front of my right. friends. But she hasn't like, had the kind of internal monologue <laughs> up to that point in your head that's been like noticing yeah. what she's doing. Yeah, noticing it. And then she like, doesn't even necessarily consciously know what she's doing. Yeah, that's well, she, like, yeah, well, I think she I'm must, not saying she didn't. Well, yeah, <laughs> she, she probably didn't know to the extent that it would kind of embarrass me. Right. Like, to show a shit cartwheel but then yeah and and that was kind of like that was just my whole at secondary school kind of summed up always like kind of shouting back 
and like getting into trouble but then being kind of untouchable because it's like as long as you're doing your work well they can't really say oh she's like shouting back and she's being lippy but she's like failing so I was kind of always skirting this like kind of like power struggle with teachers and getting into trouble all the time but then also because I was in a like and I loved my school I was in a very very supportive very supportive school and we didn't have detentions or anything like that so I was allowed to develop like this and like kind of the lack of discipline has meant I think I'm a bit more disciplined now it it worked had I been because then as you know I went to another school for sixth form and it was completely the opposite. It's like mixed and a shock to my system and I was just just such a loser for the first half of it because I just couldn't get it and I was shouting back and getting sent out but no one thought it was cool and all of a sudden I was this fish out of water and just like really depressed because I had no friends and I didn't know what I was doing wrong and everyone was really strict I got sent out of the class for eating chewing gum which in my head was just like what the fuck why are you wasting time sending me out because I'm eating chewing gum like this is crazy yeah um so yeah that was kind of a, a hard adjustment um for someone who's just used to getting away with murder the whole time well yeah I mean like why did you make that change um really I was just a horny horny 16 year old girl and I was fed up of, I was, put bluntly, I was fed up of um, being in an all-girls school. Right. Like, kind of this big, like, class clown, testosterone-filled, like, female, and you just wanted to get out into the big world of boys and, right. like, have a bit of a change. You were making classes uh, of people laugh, but none of them were the kinds of people who you would want to fuck you. Yeah, exactly. No, not, <laughs> or who like, I want to fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I'm doing all of these. I'm like... <laughs> I'm entertaining, but... <laughs> right, right, right. What's the but, point? I'm yeah. putting all the work in. <laughs> I'm not right. getting shagged at the end of it. Right. Um, so, yeah, so then I moved schools and, um, yeah, it took me, as you know from Spark, because <laughs> one of my stories was that I um, stripped on stage to get friends. This is amazing. I mean, what, yeah. like, like that's, a, that's a good, like, tweet version of the, of, <laughs> of the story. Like, what, what's a longer version of that story? Um... Well, it was so it was about two months into school, um, like chronically, chronically lonely. No one really spoke to me. I was saying weird things in class that I thought would be cool and just weren't getting sent out. But and getting detentions for the first time in my life Um, and just basically being like, okay, I want to go back to Queens. I've got to go back to Queens, like my old school. I, I can't stick this out. So um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell my mum I want to go back. I'm going to write a groveling letter to the headmistress. But before I do that, maybe just like one last ditch attempt to get friends. Um, And I had um, one kind of acquaintance in my biology class who was like nice enough. He'd talk to me like every now and then. And he told me that they were doing um, sixth form committee, which was, uh, you know, like kind of getting like prefects, like delegates and like a kind of like sixth form government style right. set up. Like, I don't know, like maybe the ecology. Give some kids the illusion of some kind yeah, of power. Grandeur. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, he was like, are you going to run? And I was like, well, it's like maybe my problem is, is that no one knows who I am to give a comparison. I went from a year of 30 girls to like a mixed year, I think of like 800 to 1,000 people. 
And I was just this huge, huge fish and then this tiny, tiny fish. So I was like, maybe the problem is that no one knows who I am. And when they see my personality, they'll love me. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, this will be a good platform in which to showcase that. So I was, uh, so he told me about it and I didn't really think uh, much about it apart from to sign my name on. And then it got to the day and I hadn't thought. And so... The, the dynamic was you had to get up on stage and say a speech for a minute of um, why you thought that you should be in the council. And so, I, yeah, it got to lunchtime and he was like, yeah, it's after it's after lunch. Do you know what you're going to say? And I was like, no, fucking hell, no, I have no idea what I'm going to say. What are you going to say? And he was like, well, I think I'm going to talk about the facilities that the school uh, uh, need. And I was like, OK, cool. And just in my head thinking I'm going to rip all of this off. I'm just going to rip off all of his ideas and hopefully like <laughs> manage to <laughs> scrabble together one minute's worth of speech. And then he was like, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Look, you're like a girl. You're like relatively like not ugly. I'm sure you've got this. So then another seed was sown in my head. He's saying, okay, we need to, like, you should talk about the facilities that the school is lacking and also, like, kind of use sex to sell, <laughs> <laughs> which is something I've, I've never been a stranger to. So um, <laughs> so then after after lunch, he does his speech. It goes, well, it's, it's in front of the whole six forms, which I think about 2,000 people, the majority of which are boys because right. they've just been introducing girls for six forms. So that, like, they only had like something like 50 girls in the year. And then so I get up on stage and I still don't really have any idea what I'm going to say. So uh, thus starts kind of this outer body experience where I'm looking at myself down on stage like kind of not knowing what I'm going to say and then I'm looking at myself and I'm talking which is like a good thing <laughs> and then I, I suddenly realise that I'm saying like what I think that the sixth form is lacking is like exercise equipment especially for all of the smokers and break times like we need some exercise equipment maybe they should be doing that instead of smoking and then um, and then I start to list the exercise equipment maybe we need some treadmills I don't know whatever like but um, maybe a low cost one would be a pole like for pole dancing because pole aerobics was really big back then in 2006 and then uh, kind of to um, highlight this point <laughs> and this is me looking down at myself kind of doing this and like you know pole aerobics it's great cardiovascular exercise and then all of a sudden I'm just stripping I'm just taking my clothes off to kind of prove the point that we need a stripper pole in the common room for break times. And then, like, and then like the, the outer body experience kind of stops when I hear this bell just like ringing and it like brings me back down into earth, back into my own body. And I realise that it's the, the teachers like on this panel just hammering the bell that is like right. is signs that you should stop. Get like way, stage. way earlier than they yeah, should yeah. be. And then, like, before I know it, I'm actually bundled off stage. Like, people have got coats and they're putting it over me because I've got down to my bar at this point. <laughs> and, like, and they just bundle me off stage. And, um, and then I'm like, and it's vote, it's vote based. So I'm like, fucking hell, what have I done? Like, if I wanted to leave, I could just leave. Now I've like, I'm probably going to be expelled. And like, I, I could have just not been expelled and just left without having like completely embarrassed myself. Right. And then, um, and then yeah, sure enough, I'm called to the headmaster's office. And he's like, you know why you're here, don't you? And I was like, 
yeah, I, I kind of was stripped on stage, didn't I? <laughs> that's, that's possibly why I'm here. And he's like, well, do you know what you've done wrong? And then I'm there, like, kind of, like, taking the piss, being like, yes, well, I know. I've I've taken several steps back in the plight of feminism. I've, I'm really, I'm ashamed. And then he thinks, he, I think I'm taking the piss. He thinks that I'm getting the, like, the picture. And then we both kind of leave that, and it's actually good like I've kind of left without getting expelled or suspended or actually even a detention which was like crazy that is interesting that that that, that outcome ended up like because it's it's such a weird thing to do like no offense like I really identify with the story in a way because I feel like whilst I've not done that there are definitely things in my life that I've sort of like started doing thinking they were a good idea and they've not been a good idea yeah all. but I, I think it was like the, the level of desperation when you get right, desperate enough right, right. like you you do mad things yeah. or at least I do and yeah. you probably yeah, do yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was yeah oh, but then so when I was leaving the office I go to him, I just, and I knew I was being a bit cheeky. I was like, just out of interest, like, how many of the votes did I get? And there were 10 people doing speeches, and I got over 50% of the votes. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, like, they, sex does sell. It, really, well, it's a moral of that sell. story. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely does, and there's, there's good and bad things about that, but it definitely does sell. Like, the, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, how did you, like, how did the, how did your reputation go after that, though? Like, after you'd done that? It worked like a charm, <laughs> like an absolute charm. It was literally, I, I've told you this before, but I was coming out of the headmaster's office in the courtyard, see like the coolest guy in the year kind of sidling up to me and I'm like, he must be talking to someone behind me, look and no one's there. And he's like, Elle, is it? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm having a party tonight. Do you want to come? And then the rest is history. Right. It was like, just really cool, had lots of friends yeah, and right. invited to every single party. So I, I, I think I got it right. It sounds like you did. Like It sounds like you had like a kind of six-month period or whatever at the beginning of feeling like outcast or whatever. But... Well, actually, it was a two-month period. Wow. And then I had three six. months of... Um, like fun at school and then I got expelled for other reasons oh right um, so so, so it, it was good but every every friend that I made there and still friends with now okay. so it, it, it worked and what were the other reasons that you got expelled for I mean I have uh, to ask that really a, a, a drug scandal which I was <laughs> kind of I, I was I was it, it was unfair that I was implicated in right. it because really they weren't my drugs and right. um I but you had to protect the persons who they were or yeah or or i think it was i was i was in the vicinity of people who were buying the drugs and thus guilty by proxy and oh, wow. uh, really uh, but i think i've i've got my inklings that they I, they kind of wanted me gone after the whole stripping thing and then i think being near people as they were buying drugs was a good reason to right. Expel so you'd me. had the like one strike or whatever. Anything else that happened, you were going to go straight down. Yeah, I, I felt I was kind of low, uh, and oh, and I think that was because uh, I think the headmaster thought that I was a bit strange anyway. <laughs> and then one time, I think because uh, Hugh Grant had turned up to the school, and I was in. I don't know why Hugh Grant was just in our school one day. I don't know, you know, when they just bring like famous people right. <laughs> into school. Yeah. And I was, he, he was walking through like the study period and I was just like studying alone. And I thought, oh, I'll just go up and talk to Hugh Grant for a bit. And I was just talking to him about how I had like hand cramp and um, <laughs> like, because I'd been writing for so long and like just completely unprompted. I was literally just talking to him about it. Right. And then afterwards, when I was getting expelled, 
the headmaster goes, oh, because he was there with Hugh Grant showing him around. And he goes, oh, and were you, were you high on drugs when you spoke to Hugh Grant? I know I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I just had a hand cramp. I thought Hugh Grant might want to know. Like, so that he, he just thought I was a strange, strange, weird little weirdo. I mean, that's really weird anyway. Like everything about that, like for, 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 a, for, a, for a teacher to be saying to a, a student, like, and were you on drugs when you spoke to Hugh Grant? Like every part of that, is, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why did that happen? Yeah, taken out of context. Yeah, that's a weird sentence. It doesn't sentence. make any sense. Our next story is from Elle. So put your hands together for Elle, everybody. So I'm 16 and I've just started a new school. And to be popular, it felt like everyone uh, was taking drugs. Uh, so I wanted to be popular, so I followed suit. And we actually took a lot of drugs for freshly forming minds. Uh, we were 16 and I was probably taking a pill every weekend, which I'm not sure if it's had any effect on me. Uh, long-standing, probably. And we'd go every weekend to these parties. Um, and then we'd come in and we'd talk about it. And we got a bit comfortable, a bit too comfortable with how many drugs we were taking, where we'd buy our drugs on the premises because there was a boy in our year who sold the drugs. So prom was coming up. It was kind of the end of the year. And we decided that we weren't going to take drugs at prom because we're classy. But we were going to take drugs the night after prom, which was a big rave. So um, we did what we normally did, and we bought the drugs on school premises. And we bought a lot of drugs. We bought 30 pills because we were going to share them. Uh, I bought them with my friend. She went home. I went home. We got ready. We then had pre-drinks at our friend's house. And when we were on our way to the pre-drinks, we'd met up at the tube station. She said, oh, by the way, I've got the drugs on me. I said, why do you have 30 pills when you're going to a school event? You should not take them out of your bag. And she goes, no, 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 don't worry, I won't take them out of my bag. And then, of course, we get uh, very drunk and all judgment goes out the window. And we get to the place and all of a sudden someone's saying, have you heard what's happened to Holly? And I'm saying, no. And I'm, I'm kind of forgetting, but there's this very foreboding sense in me. I'm not quite sure. I've kind of forgotten at that point that that had even happened. It was a 30-second look at the drugs. Oh, no, put them back in. And then, yeah, someone goes, yeah, they found 30 drugs on her because she was trying to give them to someone, um, and they're questioning her. And I was like, oh, crap. I was actually initially quite uh, scared for her. I didn't really think that I'd be implicated in it anyway. don't know why. Just that wasn't my first thought. And then, so she, she was actually interrogated, I think it's a bit uncouth, at prom for an hour and a half by the teachers, not by police. And then she goes home, she's finally allowed home. And then the next day, I'm kind of still worrying about her. And then uh, another guy who bought the drugs was implicated in it, and he was interrogated, but all the while I'm being told that no one's going to say my name. And then I go back to my old school, which I love dearly, just to like say hello, and my other friends were there. And uh, I get a call, and it's from my mum, and she says, Elle, your school's called, they want to speak to me, it sounds very serious, and they said that you should come along. And at that point, I'm like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> I think I know why they want to speak to both you and me. And uh, my dad, who I didn't get on with uh, very well at the time, like at all, was there. And I was like, oh, I just wish he wasn't here. Like, this is already going to be bad. I already think I'm going to be expelled. The news was trickling in that everyone who had been uh, interrogated had been expelled at that point, And I was kind of the last person on the hit list. And my dad was going to be there. And I hated him. So we got in uh, to the office and the head teachers there. And um, sure enough, they found out that I was implicated in buying the drugs. Um, I had the decency and the good sense to not take the drugs to prom, but that didn't matter. They were found. Um, and <laughs> and uh, the, um, the headmaster um, expels me and I start to well up. I wasn't even that upset I didn't really like the school but I did start to cry just on impulse and my dad looked at me and he said don't give that man an ounce of your tears and I was like oh dad's actually doing me a solid right now this is very unlike dad um (laughs) so I didn't cry and then he goes and my mum was just apologizing she was doing everything wrong and she was normally really good doing everything wrong she's but Elle's never taken drugs and then looking at me and I had to be like no, I, I, I do take drugs quite regularly. And she's like, well, she's, she's a really good girl. She's probably only taken them once. She doesn't even drink. And I was like, yes, I do drink, Mom. This is just really embarrassing. But my dad was being really good about it. So after he said, don't, don't cry, he was just like, he, he's going to want to shake your hand. I'm just whispering this in my ear. He's going to want to shake your hand. Um, shake it. Because he knew me and he knew that I wouldn't, I'd be very much against shaking a man's hand who's trying to expel me. So I shook his hand when I was uh, leaving the office and I was actually very proud of myself for shaking his hand. I also left and didn't think that I'd be able to um, join any school because you can't really join any school halfway through Easter time when you're supposed to be taking your A-levels. Um, uh, yeah, and I just didn't think I would be, especially on uh, Class A drug charges. Uh, but my old school let me back. Um, so all was good. And I'm actually glad I got expelled from school. But that definitely was a defining moment. So, yes, anybody who's in school uh, shouldn't be here. But obviously, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't buy ecstasy if you're in school. That's a bad one. That's a bad idea. I mean, that's really unfair, isn't it? Expelling so many kids for just like... Anyway, I'll just control my uh, righteous indignation and uh, introduce our next storyteller. So you, you, you were a good student when you were at, uh, like, in terms of your grades, when you were at the girls' school. Yeah. Uh, and you sound like you had a great time being untouchable, uh, but also... like, And it's true how that works. Like, it wasn't exactly the same for me. What happened in school to me was very different from what happened at school to you, but... Like, certainly a couple of times, like, I was unofficially suspended rather than actually suspended because, you know, they knew that, like, I was going to get them good marks and good marks for the school is good marks for everyone, really. So they, like, it does make you a little bit untouchable if you are I, I, I just, good at grades. I'd like to interject and say I love how much we're sucking our own dicks right now. Can, but, like, you, we do have to explain a bag, like, about well, this. Well, the thing is, ultimately it's meaningless right it just means we're good at exams yeah right i'm good at exams but people i know who are so much more clever than me which have so much more to offer the world aren't necessarily as good at exams that just tells me that the system is wrong however i benefit from that system so it's complicated like like 
it did keep me, you know, like semi. Like I think if I'd have been bullied to the extent I was and I was bad at grades, I wouldn't have survived school because I wouldn't have had any of the teachers ever on my side, whereas I had some teachers on my side at some point. Yeah, it, it's part of survival as well. And I do feel, like, like you said, really, really sorry for some of my, like... Best friends who are just so right. talented, so perceptive, right. could go into any social situation and understand exactly why someone is acting the way they are. And, like, I've got so many other talents. And just because they can't, like, memorise, like, some bullshit text in right. a history book, they they don't have this kind of this power or this leverage that me or you might have. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I, and it's unfair. And also, it makes teachers actively dislike them, which mm-hmm. is... Which is Strange. out of order. Yeah. And it's definitely true. I mean, it's definitely true that it's bullshit. Like, exams are bullshit. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in the ages that they get thrown at kids. Like, I think they're changing the earliest sats, which is good, but they're still doing them in primary schools and they're still doing them... Early. Like, I don't even agree with... Like, no one should have to sit exams, but definitely not little kids. Um, but, like... Like it's an unfair system, but like you say, it gives you a like. It's also school is also a, a place where you have to survive. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people do things they regret later in life because they've had to survive, and we all have to like kind of uh, like you know. I feel like adults should have collective counselling for the for the experience of being forced to go into schools. I think it's a it's a complicated thing. Well, everyone don't they? Everyone has a story about a teacher that said something that really, really got to them. Like, everyone has this, yeah. where it's like, because you are you are so vulnerable at that age. Well, I was physically well, attacked yeah. by a teacher once. Oh, God. So yours is... <laughs> okay, so let's just stop there. <laughs> How? Um, well, it's, it's one of these filter things, I guess. Like, first of all, he was quite a macho teacher, so he he liked to throw his weight around and, like, think he was one of the lads. and like So he was one of the teachers who I would say was complicit in the bullying that I experienced anyway. Like, he gave me a lot of grief, general grief, but without actually crossing a line. Um, but then he was having... I think he was I think he was having an affair with one of the other teachers. Anyway, there was, a, there, was, there was a question about whether this teacher was pregnant and if whether... Well, no, the teacher was pregnant, but whether it was his child or, like... So there was this whole kind Scandalous. of scandal going on around it, and I was overheard commenting on it. I wasn't being particularly mean... Uh, I think I was just alluding to what was common, uh, not knowledge, but common opinion. Uh, And I was heard doing that. And uh, he, you know, lost it with me and grabbed me and pulled me down a corridor and held me up against the wall and all sorts of things, Um, which was a surprise to me. I wasn't actually that upset by this experience. I had much worse bullying from actual like proper bullies. He he couldn't act like he didn't hit. He didn't hurt me and he didn't say anything that really wounded me because he was mostly saying, you know, how dare you say anything about this woman? Like it was being very like it was very much like a kind of I'm defending the honour of a woman. That's how he saw it. And what I saw it is here's another man attacking me yeah but (laughs) were there any repercussions uh no no i I didn't tell anyone and uh i doubt he did and none of the kids would have told anybody on that like yeah that wasn't unusual 
for there it's to be not, some, a physical, uh, like, there was a lot of teachers that had occasional physical interactions with students. Yeah, I mean, you know, my, my school was brutal. I'm not saying that the, some of the teachers were lovely people who were caused to have m- nervous breakdowns by the students, and some of the teachers were horrible people who were looking to hurt people with their, uh, like, teaching style, like, was to hurt. So I think it's, it, was, it was complex. Some, it's so, warfare. You know, some of the teachers were wonderful. Like, there was, like, a, like my drama teacher created a safe space within the drama department where, where, where actually, which did protect both straight A students and the kids considered like the failures and the dropouts all of them were allowed in the drama room that's one of the reasons I like the drama room because yeah there was like it didn't matter if you were why society hated you uh, you could go to the drama room and be kind of safe yeah but it like, seems like it definitely developed your personality yeah. into someone who's happy to get up on stage and bear their soul <laughs> I guess so and that's where like that's where you're yeah that's where I'm that's where that's that's like ding 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 i'm speaking to someone who interviews people she's really going in here now (laughs) she's getting it uh yeah i guess so now but like so for you you were at that that girls school having the time of your life essentially yeah being a class not realizing how good i had it yeah that's the thing you were occupying two interesting double positions as well because class clowns are rarely the straight a students like that's why you had so much power like because class clowns normally have to be that because of whatever reason they have to like you know they're not doing well or whatever it is yeah although i don't know i think like no because i i think to be like an actual effective class count, you do need to have the kind of straight A leverage because then it allows you to continue doing it. If not, then you could be suspended or expelled or they could get they'd find a reason of getting rid of you or they they wouldn't tolerate it as much. Well, the most effective class clown is the one that makes the teachers laugh too. Yeah. And then they, they get they never get told off because it's hard to tell off someone who you like yeah. who's be, making you laugh who, who can answer back and kind of floor you right. so you're like they'll say something and you go blah, 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 and then they're like oh and then the second they're silent for even a second you know you've got them and then, <laughs> and then you can just go. I had one time with a teacher where um, I was just like acting up and uh, having the attention of my class and he was like L outside and then like, I had L outside that was just like kind of like every lesson always L outside and I'd get sent outside and then I'd just go to lunch or whatever and then they'd try to get me back in and I just wouldn't be there and uh, but this one was an L outside and he was going to go and tell me off and I was like okay here we go like kind of like making faces at my classmates like here we go again and I got outside and he was like Oh, look, I'm going to level with you. I have no intention of telling you off. You're not going to take it. I can't be asked. Can you just go back in there and pretend I've told you off? It'll make your friends think that, like, it'll cool, whatever, and it'll just, like, it'll get them off my back, and you just do that. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, cool. And actually, he totally played me. He totally played me. Right. He made me, like, feel like I was being leveled with, and then he gave me this, like, um, I, I had this 
chance to like pretend to my friends that I'd been told off or whatever. And then I came back. I completely, I was like, they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, no, he, he really told me off. Like, and then I thought that I'd I'd got the upper hand because I was pretending I'd got told off and I hadn't actually got told right. off. And it, and it, like then I, after that, it took me about I don't know like a month, two months to kind of realize in hindsight that he'd played me and it like totally worked really his advantage. I had uh, so teaching. much respect for yeah. him. And then after that, I was like, yeah, this man, he's he's better than me. He's, <laughs> he's the one that I can't get one up on. Yeah, I mean it's complicated. Like yeah, I mean it's it, and it's interesting what what that straight A element will give you. Like what it gave me really was that everybody, like all the teachers turned a blind eye to truancy. Like I didn't go into school essentially for most of year 11. Um, but nobody told me off. Like no one told me off about it because they knew. that was because you, did they know you were being bullied? They knew I was being bullied and they knew they couldn't do anything about it. So it's partly that. Or yeah. they could, they could have done things about it. Let's make that clear. That They knew that they weren't going to. They knew it wasn't, the, 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 for whatever reason the bullying was continuing year on year on year so it was partly that but it was also the fact that they knew I would still get the grades regardless of if I went into this in fact like I didn't like that's what that's the worst thing about this privilege of being good at exams like I didn't even revise I didn't even revise for half my exams like I, I feel guilty about this like like because people did like for my A-level exam like I got the highest mark in Wales for film studies and I didn't and I I only got that because I read like because I was genuinely interested outside of school in film so I read books about like I read books for fun about film at the time Um, but I didn't like revise anything that I've been taught um, and that's the thing. If you're if you're doing the work outside of school, then almost being in school is unnecessary. And that's what I kind of found in year eleven, certainly. Although there was like one time because I didn't always go. I you know I was clever about truancy. I was always there for registers. Yeah. Um, but and that's why they could turn a blind eye because the, the yeah, police. Yeah, because on involved. paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was a time when like I got fo- like I was in the library reading a book uh, like when I should be in a lesson and there was like the, the, the librarian got phoned uh, to tell me that I needed to get over to catering now because if I didn't do the coursework, I wouldn't get ex- like I would like fail, like not be ex- entered into the exam. So I just like went, oh, yeah, OK. And I like, went over, did the coursework. Yeah. Like played, they knew where I was. The they never asked where I was until that moment that they needed me to be there. They clearly knew where I was from ringing the. Yeah. The, like, like it was clearly like a, an open secret. Like everyone was. I don't, I don't. I'll never know as well what those teachers were, what they talked about in the staff room, what they thought was the best policy. If how much was conscious, how much was or, deliberate, or, yeah, or exactly. how much or, was chaos, how, how much they'd even thought about it. Yeah. Like and these types of things, they just happen and then they become normal <laughs> and yeah. like the natural. And that's like no one's actually thought about the best way of approaching a problem. Right. They're just like living it. Right. I mean, all I knew is that every time I tried to do something active to counteract the bullying that, that I wasn't allowed to do it like I wanted to write a, I, I, I did write I wrote a, I wrote an article for the school uh, magazine describing what it was like to be uh, a, a, a Melvin because like listeners some listeners may know but I guess for ones who haven't I had a nickname it was Melvin you know this I think from stories I might have yeah. told on stage um, so everyone called me Melvin and I like wanted to write like this this is what it feels like Every one of you that's using that word once, you're not thinking about the collective, all of those words adding together and what that feels like. And I like wrote this piece and like I gave it to the to teachers. I was like, this is going to I was I was naive, obviously, like it wouldn't have changed everything, but it was never allowed to because they didn't like let it go in. They were like, no, 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 this is the wrong way to do it. You should get like maybe you should write a piece for somebody else to perform in a in a in a in a 
assembly or whatever. And I was like, what? What? No, I'm already getting this grief. It's not going to go away. I'm getting it already. It's only, it's not going to yeah. increase it. It's there already. Like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't understand why me wanting to try and, try and connect with and out people. it yeah like, out it right yeah. make it clear going that's, back to what we were talking about like actually doing the confrontation that would solve the right. problem that's why actually i guess that's why they didn't put it in not because they cared about me but because they knew that the school looked bad if that yeah. went in the school newspaper i guess that's why for sure well you're getting it kind of recently just in um workplaces with men talking about their mental health and saying, actually, for the past two years of like working a so high-powered inner-city job, I've been suffering very, very badly from like all manner of mental health problems. Right. And it, people are finally like coming out about it. And it's it's something that was almost well, it was very much like stum because it's not, it doesn't reflect well on the company. But right. actually, people coming out and talking about this has helped other men come out and talk about it and actually assess and evaluate their mental health and see what the problems are. It's just an age-old problem that happens the whole time. Where if, it, if things are actually spoken about and the elephant in the room is addressed, it, it solves it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, so, yeah, so school is a complicated environment for me and it was a different environment for you. But you went to sixth form got expelled what happened then like oh so then um then i wrote a a very long um uh letter to my headmistress who i'd always got on really really well with um i think referencing the fact that it was like the prodigal son and could i please come home like it kind of took a bit of biblical text and rewrote it and <laughs> like and um and said and oh, like the whole time i was writing it i was just like to my mum she's she's not going to let me back she's not going to let me back and the whole time my mum's trying to find like like really expensive tutors like anything like to get me back because this was halfway through Easter term and I had to do my ASs and I'd just been expelled and my school wouldn't let me do my ASs so I was like I'd had three weeks in the Easter holidays and I should have been revising where I had to just find a school and obviously I wanted to go back to Queen's I wanted to go back to Queen's the second I got to my new school I mean you can and meet boys outside of school I know well. like right <laughs> <laughs> but like but I mean uh, yeah so um, so I was just writing this kind of very desperate letter trying to be funny about it because I've always used humour as a defence um, but actually just the whole time being like if they don't let me back I'm fucked like we can't afford like tutors that could because you have to pay for each exam and that also we don't have time and because of the nature of why I'd been expelled um because it was class a drugs it's weird like so like pharmacologists or whatever if it's weed you've got expelled for it's fine like class c whatever if it's class a all of a sudden you can't even go into anywhere so like all you have to like pay an arm and a leg and I was just it was this kind of scary time well the classification uh, of drugs rather like the classification of children is an incredibly flawed model that is not accurate to actually how drugs are how drugs work what they are yeah and anyway drugs should not be illegal so well, in my view <laughs> yeah we can totally <laughs> get onto that um but yeah so then I, I i wrote this letter and just in my head thinking i'm not going to be let back in and then to her credit she i was like yeah come on let's talk about it and I came in and she was like, We've, we we never wanted you to leave in the first place. And I was like, yeah, I was seduced by the prospect of boys. 
didn't even get a boyfriend so <laughs> you know it wasn't even worth it and um and then uh and i was like look i i really i'm totally tail in between my legs here but there's nothing i want more and really you know you're going to go straight to heaven if you let me back <laughs> and she was like i know and then so she let me back and then it was in and so all of my friends who i'd left like the next week I was just back at school wow. and I, I hadn't been there for seven months and then I was just back. So you just and, had and a it was just, it seven took, month holiday. Yeah, it's so, well, yeah. In, in well, kind like of seven unpleasant months of hell. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it took about an hour to um, get readjusted back in and it was like I'd never left. Um, but there was one thing which was I didn't have my scholarship anymore and I was like, uh-oh, like now I don't have this scholarship and it was one time I was um that we had teachers toilets and student toilets and I'd always whenever I had a chance going to the teacher's toilet and I remember being in the teacher's toilet and you go as quickly as you could go to the loo and then come out and it was like a risk and I was in the toilet in this cubicle and I heard someone come in and I was like oh shit I'm gonna get caught being in the teacher's toilet so I'd like quickly like flushed the chain like went to like make a boot for the door so that the teacher whoever it was wouldn't know that I was in the toilet using their toilet and then as I was running to the door my headmistress comes out and it's actually her using the toilet and she was like uh what are you doing in these toilets I was like oh hi Miss Connell oh yeah and she's like you shouldn't be in these toilets I never want to see you in these toilets again also do you want your scholarship back and I was like uh yeah, <laughs> so it's like this really weird kind of surreal moment, and like Super we both had each other pierce, and then I'm being asked <laughs> if I want my scholarship back, and then I'm like, "Wow, that was actually a good thing to have come out of I mean, like using the teacher's your toilets." Your school experience is like a bizarro school experience. Like. Yeah, because it was a weird little school. It's a really, really <laughs> cool, like just such a unique, such a unique school that I think really helped develop. But it's interesting. I have friends who I went to school with who hate it hate it they think it was the worst place and then I have friends who like adore it who are in my camp and it's very much a Marmite like they either like hated it or loved it but I was very much in like well if you think about everything it did for me how could I not like it right and I remember like there was another story you told at Spark where you ended up like hanging out of the window on a ledge at school was that in the, yeah the, in, that was in the girls school? yeah yeah <laughs> like all of the weird shit that happened at school it's probably at and the it wasn't school. like a boarding school right no no it was this weird um because it seems like a boarding school feel to it like the, the kind of yeah. jink, hijinks that you got up to yeah the kind it of was thing it's that I like hear from it, people who went to boarding school yeah you know blighton isn't it but like um <laughs> or what yeah or what katie did or whatever yeah that, that yeah um yeah no it was this um townhouse uh, like really, really tall, eleven-story, like winding townhouse. Like I think probably in Victorian times, like a big, like city house with the servant quarters up and like the rafters. So you were in se- central London, right? Yeah, like in Oxford Circus. I mean, there's so few reasons for you to have to go to a mixed school to meet boys if you're like in the middle of central i mean we're kind of like i think we're we're trivial it wasn't totally to meet boys i think more it was i i left because i wanted a change right but uh, like i did i at the back of my mind think that maybe i might meet more boys but you were like which was true i mean and but also your letter was relative was pretty accurate right like you were like the prodigal daughter you you went away and realized that 
you know everything was was back where you'd come from the, yeah like, the, like that story you know? I think I'm the, <laughs> the worst thing about me is I am the most glasses greener person like in right. I, I'm never ever content because I always think there's more fun at the other party or there's other things I could be doing so I'm constantly doing everything just so I can be testing it all out and never actually appreciating how good things are that are good because I never know because right. I'm constantly chasing the dragon of something else right. so you're a thinker you're th- you're overthinking everything so you're never in the moment yeah right? like, I'm a bit like that but then it's like I'm always in the moment because I'm always there like right, right. I'll always be everywhere at once and doing everything as much as I can right. but then yeah exactly like never appreciating it so I'm I like think that. that was very much like it, it really brought me back down to earth and made me realize just how good I had it at this incredible school that I was treating a bit like shit <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly, that, exact, that is, that is the message you're supposed to get from the prodigal son, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, treat authority nicely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or, or treat what's doing you good yeah. well. Yeah, do yeah, unto yeah. others. I mean, it's certainly mean of me to say it that way of treat authority nicely, which it says, you know, more about my feelings towards uh, schools as institutions than there's the actual specifics of your school experience. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I, I understand there are nice school experiences. I had, ha- I did have some in private. Yeah, I was just about to say, have you had any nice... Like... Yeah, I've moved, I've moved in lots of schools. I mean, I was in one secondary school that was fine and one that was hell. Um, so I've had two different secondary school experiences. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah. So you what, you left the good one to go to hell? Yeah. I mean, it was not good. It was just fine. Like, I wasn't bullied, but I was not, like, popular. I was just, like, you know, had my own little friendship group like anybody in a secondary school. And Why you were know. you so badly bullied in the second school then? Uh, I think there's a number of reasons, I think. Uh, so partly it's because I was an English boy in Wales. I went to Cardiff from Coventry, so I had a Midlands accent uh, when I turned up. So yeah. I didn't even just have an... I feel like if I'd have had like an English accent, a posh one, I would have still got bullied. But people are trained to, to treat posh people with a little bit of authority. But if you go there with a Midlands accent, you're English and you're not like a cool English. So uh, there was that problem. So interesting that you think that posh is a cool English. Well, not cool, but lang- the language of authority, everyone's kind of trained to, to, to obey that that language I'm not saying it's it's right that people are yeah, like that it's the language of the patriarchal po- man right if you've got a posh voice you can you can use that um, and I didn't have that at that time I probably could have created a facsimile but I wasn't as uh, I wasn't thinking as much about history and culture and like civilization at that moment I was just trying to live my life but like yeah I was it was because I was bullied like for being kind of a, having a different accent being a geek being a straight A student yeah. does not help reading books those sorts of things weren't popular um but also like I had like my face was covered in acne I had glasses like I uh, you know that's you know I had the experience that Harry Potter would have realistically had if he'd have gone to a school uh (laughs) like in a real life rather than in Harry Potter where he gets to become the outsider but also the head boy and also like everyone loves him um yeah like sporting hero uh that was not my experience I mean, although, to be fair, I was Hermione-based in my kind of, like... Uh, You've got kind of Hermione hair. Right, right, right. <laughs> Nowadays. <laughs> for the listeners who don't know what you look yeah. like. Yeah, so I guess I was bullied for all those things. I was also bullied, I think, because um, people saw me as vulnerable. Like, I had, I was having a really difficult home life, and it's like s- s- sharks smell blood, right? Yeah, They can tell, is. and they know that I'm going to... And also, because I'm... It's because I, I do try to resolve 
problems by talking it out yeah. and arguing it out rather than running away or fighting. So because I don't fight, they can just keep taunting me and I'll keep engaging with them. Yeah. And that's a really fun cycle to, to run. Yeah. And I, was, I, I had that a lot at school. But I think also it was to do with the fact that they didn't see me as a proper, like, man like a lot of the bullying i got was like homophobic uh or like you're a girl or you're like a tramp or always like anything othering yeah exactly uh, apart from anything to do with race because i guess they couldn't they couldn't bring that one on yeah but anything that others be like i was gonna like call things like pedophile like or anything like anything that's weird yeah like people would shout at me like a lot and also quite a lot of Quite a lot of the, the words that people used to shout at me as well are, are quite kind of Cardiff Welsh specific. So like, yeah, I got insults that most people haven't heard of. You know, uh, I can sort uh, of, give us give us a rights. Cardiff insult. And I like uh, I'm trying to think like like I, I've, maybe I've forgotten them all by now. This is always the problem when you put yourself on the, on the <laughs> yeah. on the spot. Like Minga, like obviously Minga, everyone's got like but has heard, but like. Uh, like I, I literally actually I've, it'll come to you I think when I like you're not put them that. in my show like this is always the thing I always talk about this like any time when you're on mic and someone asks you a question it's like my, my mind just goes white and I just can't I'm terrible it. with examples anyway and I find that not being able to recall an example really undermines you in an argument or a debate oh yeah like totally, totally totally like just being like so examples and arguments are like default you need them like so if someone's like okay well give an example of that time that I was undermining you or whatever and you're like I can't right now right. and then the second you say that it's it's flawed and they think they've won and maybe they have just by default yeah I mean there's definitely that problem I think uh it's and it is a frustration that that like we value kind of memory recall sometimes more than we value kind of thought like like the thought process it's like if you can't come up with examples like yeah like there's a lack of kind of yeah like so what that trains people to do is lie yeah and what that trains men to do particularly is to blag and like appear to know because men are expected to be experts yeah and so men will and i i will i catch myself in this all the time um and and like so like my natural instinct then was to like make up shit <laughs> yeah and like yeah. you know that would be absurd like people <laughs> listening from cardiff would know i was lying <laughs> and people who weren't from cardiff would like go to dinner parties and use those examples <laughs> only to be told by someone from cardiff they were full of shit like so that's the yeah. thing like I, I like the fact that i've now got to the point in my life where i can go you know actually I know that there are these things, but I can't remember them at the moment. And I'm sure that, you know, listeners can think I'm lying or like, whatever, I'm not ignorant. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I am ignorant. We're all ignorant, right? Yeah. Like, that's like, the, that's the first, I was saying this in a different GBA recently, like, that's the first step to it, to learning is to say you don't know anything. Yeah. Like, well, because I, I do it all the time now where it's like someone will say an acronym or they'll say something. And a lot of the time I know by asking, it's something I should know. It happens all the time when someone references something in the news and they're right. like, oh yeah, you know about the stabbings that happen. And I'm like, no. And they're like, really? Really? They're, they're all across the news. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And then you have to like sit there and just take like 10 seconds of the song going, you really don't know. And you're like, yes, I don't know. But 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> help me. That impulse is so weird to say to you. Really, like, I, I guess yeah. I've got it a little bit, but I, I try not to have it because, like, if someone doesn't know what a word means or they don't know yeah. like about something, then tell them about yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Like, if they want to know, why make them feel small about not knowing right. and like wanting to learn? Because it's like so now I'm like trying to own that ignorance yeah. and like, but it does like sometimes it, it is like shit. No, really, I should know that, and I shouldn't really be asking this, but. I think, you know, t- there's no shit, really. I mean, like, we we move through the world. Everyone's ha- got different, like, pathways. Like, it, it makes absolute sense to not be exposed to a piece of news or to not be exposed to a piece of information. Like, it's just luck what comes across our, uh, like, you know, our, our, our radar. And, like, people like you and me who are used to going into exams and passing them, maybe we feel like we should be actually able to demonstrate this in our everyday lives. Yeah. But that just shows how bullshit those exams were, right? Yeah, exactly. And that they shouldn't have been given to us, yeah, right? That, because we actually don't know anything. Yeah, no exam teaches you, like, oh, shut up right now, shut up, shut right, up, Right, shut right, up. right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, this is the way to get a job. Like, yeah, that's yeah, never, yeah. never part of the exam. You have to have the qualification in order to, to get into the interview. Yeah. But, like, no one knows what, like, they, they have not prepared people like me or you to get interviews. Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm terrible in interviews. I've, like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever got a job from an interview. Because I, I just say, like, really, like, shit, offensive, like, stuff which in my head is funny and it comes out completely wrong. And then I'm, like, thinking about it over and over <laughs> in my head, like, because we did a spark recently didn't we uh, cringeworthy was yeah. the subject and it's like the only time I'm really ever cringed is thinking back about myself in interviews where I've just said the wrong thing or I've literally got uh, 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 when asked something and then just stopped and kind of had a catatonic fit and then like had to have them kind of bring me well, back one of the her. things that I remember from you telling that story though is one of the things you expressed really well at the beginning of that story was that you kind of have this inner monologue that just goes I hate myself <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you get things wrong you go I hate myself I hate myself and then that that creates embarrassing situations where people overhear you saying I hate myself out loud yeah it's like I hate myself Tourette's because every time I think about something that is embarrassing in my head I'll say I hate myself like it's just like but like that's really sad to me on a, on one level because you shouldn't hate yourself no but it's like the thing like, is I don't think I, I say that as someone do. who hates I, well I, I often have hated myself maybe not now but I have, yeah. have had the experience of hating myself and even if you don't hate yourself and you just think it's a mantra. It's still a negative mantra that you're, you're oh, yeah, no, saying it's, over and over to it's yourself. It's fucked. It's so Tourette's. It's got an effect. It's Tourette's. You. I don't even... like. Well, it's not I, I technically Tourette's. Well, I think it is. Okay. It, it, it I, probably could adjust, be. I'm going to look not, this up I'm now. not going to define your experience <laughs> for you. That's okay, fine. And whether it's metaphorical or like actual, maybe a branch of Tourette's, it, that's what it's like. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't even know I'm saying it. Like, and that's why I get into these weird situations where I'm thinking of an embarrassing situation. I, th- I think I'm alone in my house. I'll say, I hate myself because it just comes out because it's Tourette's I have when I'm thinking about something embarrassing. And then I'm overheard by a flatmate who I might not be getting on with. And they're like, hey, Elle, uh, are you in? And I, oh, yeah, hey. And they're like, did you just say you hate yourself? No, <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, no. I, I just, I heard you say you hate yeah, yourself. You can't lie about that. They've literally heard you. <laughs> yeah, it's just like when I think I'm alone. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't think you should hate yourself, uh, or even if you do not hate yourself, but you just say that as a as a as a form of Tourette's, or in inverted commas for people who have Tourette's out there, or yeah, or you know, without them for you who believes it is Tourette's. Um, 
Well, it may be, maybe. Maybe it's so, not. I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to hedge my bets here and not offend you or the people listening <laughs> at home. And you'll know about that. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah. Like and and I certainly haven't hated uh, like having this conversation with you. It's been a, a real pleasure. Um, I've, I'm quite pleased with myself now because I, I, the, recently I, I sort of it's become a cliche for me to say like uh, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you at the end. And I said it in a different way then. Yeah, but then you I did. couldn't just enjoy the fact that I'd done that. I had to do all this blower afterwards. Yeah, and you should have yeah, just I should have just left it. At that stopped. It's fine. Maybe we can have, edit that out. It. Well, I, I could, but I probably won't. <laughs> yeah. The last question that I ask everybody is: Do you have anything to plug? Uh, well, um, I've been thinking about this. Is it is it okay to plug other podcasts whilst yes, on a podcast? Absolutely, <laughs> I would say it's one of the uh, main things that happens on podcasts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the only way, isn't it? People who listening to podcasts, you uh, the people who listen to podcasts. So you should plug away. Um, well, I'd like to just plug uh, Radio Wolfgang, which is a really, really great uh, independent radio platform. We make such good podcast we do a science strand pop culture meets science uh kind of like myth busters it's called science-ish where we take a different uh sci-fi novel or book or work of fiction uh film um and we unpack the science behind it so we did like ex machina um which we've spoke about artificial intelligence and spoke to experts in the field found out whether machines could actually uh, lock you in rooms and things like that Cool, um, <laughs> and well, that's that's well, a scary. great strand yeah. presented by uh, Rick Edwards and ex New Scientist um, editor Michael Brooks. Listen to that one, or why not listen to the one I'm working on? That might help. <laughs> Me. Uh, it's called "It's Nice That It's That It's Nice That" podcast uh, in collaboration with the It's Nice That Boys, um, a creative design platform. And it's actually even if you don't like design, it's a really good way of getting you into it because we talk about like everyday things that you don't really like think about the design of but it's actually really interesting has that just been nominated for radio uh, no a science British, was right science was on the smartest. british podcast awards right that's yeah it. i didn't even get the name of the awards right <laughs> the bpas right um <laughs> yeah science was and fathers and sons which was a documentary strand i wasn't um, i'm just gonna the prefix that was i wasn't involved with actually the shows that got nominated right um, I'm so i'm not i wouldn't want to suggest that you were it, it, it just award shows worthy. yeah i'm not I mean, god <laughs> <laughs> you get to win an award um but um no like incredible podcasts and we're very happy to have been nominated for yeah. those as has as has this a show this show has been nominated if you're listening and you're like what why has that been nominated? Like, if you got to this point in the podcast and you and you've not been enjoying it, uh, then uh, sorry, it's award it's award nominated podcast that you've been listening to and not enjoying. Uh, but if you've been enjoying it, you'll probably be pleased. Yeah. For me, I feel weird about it. I, weirdly, I feel weird about it because I uh, I put another podcast in and that didn't get it, uh, didn't get nominated. Um, but certainly, as you've also put a, a podcast in that didn't get nominated, I shouldn't really yeah. be moaning about that to yeah. you. Certainly. Well, we put uh, <laughs> we put in two podcasts that got nominated in a category each, but they didn't get nominated in uh, other categories. Right. So both ours got nominated, but not across the board. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I, I didn't have the choice. I couldn't. I couldn't afford to put it in for multiple anything in for multiple categories. So that was probably one of the mistakes. Maybe like I maybe should have put the family tree in the fiction category rather than in the other category. Yeah, although, although I think it was I think pretty it's, other. 
I, I'm just yeah, it's, it's quite. Is that what you put in for yeah. other? Um, no, I, I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for the fact that um, GBA, yeah. yeah, that's the acronym, got the interview one, which yeah. is great because that is a testament. No, to your I should. Skills. I mean, the thing is, I've been working on this for so long that it feels like it's not work anymore. Uh, it's it just like feels like it's part nature. of my life. Like it's just something that happens. Yeah. Whereas I put a load of work in, I guess, for the family tree. So it feels like you should be uh, rewarded for work rather than other factors. But let's face it, we've been talking about exams in this uh, <laughs> podcast. And so we, it should be very clear that awards are like exams. Uh, they are meaningless too. Yeah. Like if I win, I... But you're used to Hopefully I won't high. stand up and say that in my... This is where a filter matters. Like, <laughs> I think if I do win, I have to, like, not get up and say, you know what, it's all subjective, it's absolutely meaningless. I don't, I, you know, I could do, like, a... Um, oh, was it Adele? I could do an Adele and, like, give it to somebody else that yeah. I think should get it. Or maybe myself, like, give it to the family tree. Yeah, like, that's I what don't... I'm thinking you do. You're like, yeah, this is great, but you should fucking give it to the family tree. So this is me giving it back to me, you cunts. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely need to not have that... Uh, I, I need to not do that on the day, particularly because I know, you know, my, my friend Matt, full disclosure, is, is is one of the people putting on the awards and I, I definitely don't want to stand up and call him a cunt, you know. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. no, He's also, doing something important for podcasts. Can, and yeah, to can we plug our, Matt like, yeah, for let's, a second? Let's, praise, let's uh, plug praise the British plug Podcast that. Awards, yeah, which is, but like, absolutely the like the longest thing coming ever I can't believe that it's like the first year and like a total testament to Matt and right. the other Matt yeah, which Matt makes Deegan, things confusing right. yeah. um, but like well, for, for putting I this on this, I don't know Matt yeah I, I, I don't no, I don't know <laughs> the other Matt um, but, but just thank you to both of them right because we need it and it's going to be really great and also yeah. even if you're not involved in podcasts you just like listening to podcasts you can come it's open yeah, to everyone tickets. come along yeah you come know? it's on the 29th of April in yeah. the Central St Martin's yeah in the Platform Theatre in yeah Central St Martin's like uh, yeah King's Cross St Pancras area yeah come along if you want to meet your podcasting heroes right. like I'll be Dave. there I'll be there yeah, yeah. I'll be there <laughs> then get yourselves there and if you meet there. me you can become on the show that's as easy as it is like yeah. once you've met me you're you're eligible to be a, a guest on this show oh you're really playing down I thought I was like the chosen one well I mean I've been doing it for like I don't know five years so like you are the yeah. current chosen one oh, God. You're, you're chosen now in this moment small. No, but like everybody's chosen. Yeah. Like kind of like what I was saying about hierarchies. All of my guests are equal. Like you're all special and important, and I'm interested all in all of you individually. In different ways. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and the last thing that I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Um. Thank you, everyone, for listening to me. Um. I. You're all heroes for doing that because even listening to myself prompts me into saying I hate myself. I hate myself. <laughs> I hate myself. So thank you very much, <sighs> everyone. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> If you want to, you can vote for Getting Better Acquainted or my other podcast, The Family Tree, for the British Podcast Awards. There's a listener's choice option as part of those awards and your listeners, and maybe, just maybe, you will choose me. You can do that over at thebritishpodcastawards.com.
I'm also working on series two of The Family Tree, me and my partner Jen. Look out for more Family Tree. And if you haven't heard the first series, it's all there uh, over on the website, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, all the places that podcasts go to hang out. So you can listen to that show from the beginning. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like Getting Better Acquainted on Facebook. And you can find Getting Better Acquainted on iTunes, SoundCloud, cloud those kind of places one thing that really helps the show if you have some time it would be for you to leave a rating and a review on itunes uh, telling people about the show and why you like it if you have money to spare and you want to support what i do then you can donate to the show via the paypal link that you can find on the soundcloud page If you want to support the family tree, you can sign up to the Patreon. That would be so helpful because we're making the second season and so we need a budget. We need to pay people and so you could help us to do that. But remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. (laughs) 